I'm going to begin this morning with a question. So uh, answer honestly, be brave. Same with you watching from your couch at home. Uh, how many of you have ever had or have financial stress? Way to be brave. I imagine that's pretty universal, right? I mean, money is an area of life that affects every other area of life. Money causes great stress within organizations and businesses. Money is the number one thing that couples fight about. The latest American Psychological Association survey showed that 72% of Americans reported feeling stressed about money sometime over the previous month. The average American carries between six and seven thousand dollars in rolling credit card debt. Seventy percent of Americans have less than one thousand dollars in savings. Another question: How many of you would say that generosity is an important virtue? It's sobering, but the percentage of Americans' income donated to charity, meaning like churches and nonprofits, has historically hovered between two and three percent. Two and three percent. According to one Lilly study that's been tracking the giving of 9,000 families since um, 2000, the giving patterns of 9,000 families, in 2018, only 50 percent donated to a charity. So if you project that to the whole country, they say like 50%. In 2018, 50% of U.S. households donated to a charity. So while donations to charities are reaching an all-time high in terms of the dollar amount, the giving is done by a smaller and smaller slice of the population. So what, is, what does all of this mean? <laughs> it means that as a whole, we're more like sponges than funnels. In other words, we need a margin for generosity. A margin for generosity. Margin for generosity is being able to give freely and liberally beyond our own needs and desires to support and bless other people, causes, or organizations. A margin for generosity is being able to give freely and liberally beyond our own needs and desires to bless and support other people, causes, and organizations. It's having money available to help someone in need. It's having money available when a need arises. It's being able to donate to that, to that organization, that charity helping Afghan refugees. It's being able to give to support your local church. It's buying coffee or lunch for the person behind you in line without even thinking twice about it. It's, buying, it's surprising the neighbor, the, the neighbor, the friend, the co-worker with a gift. It's leaving a generous tip. When we have margin for generosity, we give without feeling stressed or forced. We don't have to give. We get to. We get to. We experience great, great peace and great joy and great purpose as we embody and reflect more of God's own character. God's own generous heart. In short, our hearts and our lives get bigger. Let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.
Our, our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, um, chapter 6. Be reading verses 19 through, uh, through, let's see what I'm going through, through 33. Listen now for God's word. Jesus is teaching here. Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven where moth and rust don't eat them and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how terrible that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body and what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you by worrying can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon in all of his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it's uh, one of a pastor's favorite things to say, right? Jesus talked about money more than anything else, not just because it gives us an excuse to talk about it too, but because more so anytime that Jesus talks about something a lot we should probably pay attention and take notice if it's important to Jesus it probably should be important to us and money is important to Jesus if we want to cultivate a margin for generosity we need to pay attention and so as this week as I was paying attention to this passage as I was reading through it thinking about what it means to have a margin for generosity here here's what I saw first if we want a margin for generosity, we have to think about money differently. We have to view money differently. Context matters. Money means something based on the meaning that we assign to it. How we get, how we spend, how we save, how we give money has a lot to do with how we view it in the first place. Here's what I mean. There's an exercise that I always do with engaged couples in premarital counseling that's called the meaning of money the meaning of money and in this exercise each person uh, answers a series of questions about money and their particular view of money and at the end scores are tallied uh, to reveal how each person values money and there are four different categories and then the point of the exercise is to just to show like if one spouse views money this way or values money in this particular way, the other views it this way, that there could be potential, there could be potential conflict. But what has been eye-opening to me, the more I've done that exercise with couples, 
is just how revealing those four categories are about our society and cultural view of money, okay? Here are the four categories. Money is status, money is security, money is happiness, and money is control. Like, if, if those are the four major ways that we view and value money in our society, where in the world is the margin for generosity? If I value money primarily as status, then my concern is primarily about maintaining a certain lifestyle or image. If I value money primarily as security, then why in the world would I give it away? I mean, I need it so that, if, so that life doesn't fall apart, uh, even if it means I have to build bigger barns to store it all in. If I view money as enjoyment, then I'm likely to be purchasing something new and shiny uh, more and more that will make me happier. If I view money as, con as control, then, then I need it so that I can influence or, or manipulate other people to get what I want. But where's the, where is the category potential to do good? Where's that category? I mean, that would be much more Jesus-like, wouldn't it? Context matters for Jesus when it comes to money, too. The words Jesus said, stop collecting treasures on earth, collect treasures in heaven, wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. Those are important, but the context in which he said them is also important, too. This, this teaching occurs right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, right? Right in the middle of Jesus teaching what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So it seems that generosity and what we do with our finances and our financial resources is not immune from God's advancing kingdom through Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't talk about money uh, or treasure in the context of status or security or control or enjoyment. That isn't the view or value that he places on money at all. No, he places it squarely in the context of the kingdom of God. So imagine what might change in terms of a margin for generosity if we viewed money this way, not primarily as status, not primarily as security, not primarily as enjoyment, not primarily as control, but viewed money as charged with missional and kingdom potential. If the value we placed on money was charged with missional and kingdom potential. Because the value we place on money should be about the potential to do something amazing for God's advancing kingdom. An opportunity to bless, to build up, to do good, to promote human dignity, to, to care for, to help bring about God's vision of what human flourishing is. So if we want a margin for generosity, we have to view and value money differently. Second, if we want a margin for generosity, we have to live simply. Where enough is enough. When Jesus invites us to consider the lilies of the field and the birds of the air and how they live based on God's care and provision, he's painting a picture of simplicity. Those creatures don't worry because they live within the graceful provision of God. They don't, they don't try to outrun that. <laughs> Living simply, living within our harvest is possible. It's just not popular. Culture says happiness equals more. But the problem with more is that once you get more, well, you need more. 
But did the thing that we get, the, did the thing that we got because we wanted more, did it ever promise never to leave us or forsake us? Did that thing ever promise to take care of us forever? You see how God feeds the ravens, Jesus says. How much more will God take care of you? Joy of God's creation. Simplicity lies not in what we have, but in whose we are. If we're always needing the new, the best, the shiny, the, the more thing, then we'll always be tempted to spend more than we have. Or to think that the answer to greater margin is simply making more money. Income does not equate to generosity margin. Income does not equate to generosity margin. Percentage-wise, actually most statistics show that the wealthier a person is, the less percentage of their income they donate. They may give millions of dollars, but it only might be 1% of their income. However, no matter the income, no matter the income, it is possible, quite possible, to buy a not-perfect house, used cars, clothes from Target, and still live an amazing, full, and generous life. Living simply conveys that we have boundaries and that we're willing to confine ourselves within the scope of those boundaries rather than crave the supposed grass is always greener on the other side so that we have a margin to give. Third, if we want to cultivate a margin for generosity, we need to seek God first. I know that seems very common sense. We need to seek God first. Jesus basically says it three different ways. Wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. You cannot serve God in wealth. Seek first God's kingdom. So in other words, generosity is tied to lordship. Generosity is tied to lordship. When we love God and treasure God above all else, we draw near and, and nearer and closer to the generous nature of God, and everything else gets put in the right place. God is the great giver, after all. For God so loved the world that he gave, gave. Generosity is at the heart of God, and we are the recipients of it each and every day. So despite what we see and hear and read, the economic road is not the way, the truth, and the life. The bottom line is not really the bottom line. When we pursue God first, when God is our supreme treasure, when we serve God first, we recognize that money belongs to God, the kingdom belongs to God, we belong to God, margin belongs to God. The choice to do with what God has given us belongs to us. And when we recognize the generosity of a loving God, we see just how much of our world is bathed in blessing. We don't just treasure God, and we, we rightly treasure and are grateful for what we already have. And so at a very practical level, seeking God first when it comes to, uh, to our money looks like practicing gratitude, right? Gratitude carves out uh, a margin for generosity. It chips away at discontent. It erodes self-serving tendencies. When we seek God first, we're grateful for God's goodness. When we're grateful, our hearts that have received so much from God are more likely to be open and willing to give so much in response. Wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. Our trouble is we don't even recognize the treasure we have right in front of us sometimes. What, do we, what does it say if we proclaim a God who satisfies and cares for us and then walk around discontent and ungrateful all the time? 
So whether it's sharing in, in your B3 group, like what you're thankful for, whether it's keeping a gratitude journal, whether it is intentionally having a time when you pray to just express thanks and name specific things that you're thankful to God for, practice gratitude. The seeking God first at a very practical level also means inviting God into the conversation when you're planning and budgeting. Like, Give God a seat at the budget table alongside Spectrum and Uncle Sam and Wells Fargo and Amazon and Capital One and Toyota. Ask God to help and guide you. God, how would you have me prioritize my spending this month? God, how would you manage and steward what you have given to me? God, we're struggling this month, but please just continue to help us to glorify you with what we have. God, show me how I can live more generously this month. God, who could I bless right now? God, how, how much are you calling me to give to this, uh, to this charity or to my church? Invite God into the conversation. Actually seek God first when it comes to your planning and your budgeting. Uh, David Moody was a longtime member of our sister campus, Wake Forest United Methodist Church. Uh, he had a witty, dry sense of humor uh, a, a simple and faithful man. He was not the kind of, of person you would uh, would say or characterize as being rich by the world world standards. Uh, I used to bump into him at Food Lion here in Rollsville, pushing his cart to an old pickup truck to load the groceries in the back. But he had an incredible margin for generosity. Mr. Moody passed away in 2019. And shortly after his passing, the church got a call from his estate letting us know that he had taken out a life insurance policy that listed the church as the sole beneficiary and the policy was valued at $254,000. This was a gift that nobody saw coming. This was a margin for generosity. Craig and Vicki Lawrence used to be uh, members here. They were a core part of the team that launched this campus and were incredibly active and faithful. And they moved about two years ago to, to Franklin, North Carolina, when Vicki took a job as an associate pastor there at First UMC Franklin. Uh, some of you uh, here this morning knew them. Some of you watching online this morning obviously knew them. Many of you uh, arrived after they left. Uh, I know something about them that you uh, didn't know, uh, but you will now, and I asked their permission to be able to, to share this. For the last two years, even though they've been members of First United Methodist Church in Franklin and support that church financially, uh, Craig and Vicki have generously continued to give regularly to Village Church Rollsville too. They see it uh, as remaining committed to the promise they made in 2017 to step out in faith and support the launch of VCR. And that's incredible too. That is a margin for generosity. And earlier this week, I watched on the news as um, Anderson Cooper interviewed Brian Chesky, the co-founder and CEO of Airbnb, uh, the vacation rental company that lets people uh, rent out their homes for others to stay in on vacation. And then, uh, you know, obviously they pay, pay and the homeowners receive uh, income from that. But apparently, in, in response to the crisis in Afghanistan and all of the, the refugees, a number of refugees uh, coming and needing somewhere to begin anew, like around the world, Airbnb is going to provide temporary housing around the world to 20,000 Afghan refugees for free. For free. Like if an owner is willing to allow a family to stay, Airbnb is paying them as if a paying renter were staying there. 20,000 refugees for free. That 
is a margin for generosity. Seek first God's kingdom. Wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. Wise words, certainly for living with greater margin for generosity. In a world of great financial stress, world of pressure to acquire, may we, may we live lives characterized by surprising generosity. A reflection of the, the generous God that we worship. May we find that margin so that our lives look less like this and more like this. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.